Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Don't know if you've heard that there are now support and counseling groups for young children traumatized by Trump's victory. Show me a kid who even knows who Trump is. Um, maybe referencing the American Academy of Pediatrics, and they represent more than 60,000 pediatricians. And in an email sent out, and I'm quoting the Daily Caller here, to members a few days after Trump's surprising election victory, AAP CEO Karen Remley discussed the disturbing rhetoric following the election and how pediatricians can help their children. And uh, so they've posted this recommendation on uh, to parents about Donald Trump's election victory so they can avoid, they the kids, can avoid long-term psychological trauma from it. Several, at least several members of the American Academy of Pediatrics quit the organization because of that uh, email. What else do we have here? I'm going to talk to my guest in a second. Protesters against Donald Trump as president-elect of the United States. I have to say this. Many I've seen and heard interviewed by media asking goofy questions are inarticulate graduates of an education system which has constantly enforced the notion that they are special and which awarded trophies just for participating, would not give zeros for work not handed in, and who've had, well, they've had to make uh, life interesting for any teacher or professor who'd have the temerity to judge their work as being worthy of only of a failing grade. Remember the uh, McGill University history professor who told us he gets calls at 3 o'clock in the morning from disgruntled students how could you fail me? I attended some of your classes. I deserve at least a B plus. So uh, I've heard them chatter on and on about how Donald Trump's election is immoral, illegal, and an affront to democracy. Do they vote? No. Do they have the slightest notion how the U.S. electoral system works? Some do. Some are clueless. These were likely the most noisy individuals who shouted that Donald Trump saying he would let you know if he would agree with the election results was alarming. Now it is they who refuse to acknowledge and confirm the results of a Democratic election. They shout about tolerance while a fellow student wearing a Donald Trump Make America Great Again hat is assaulted. It's funny, eh? It's how the synapses oh, don't quite connect in some people's brains. Joining me to speak to this phenomenon is University of Saskatchewan Professor Ken Coates. He's the co-author of many great books. Um, one is, well, I like this one, it's uh, about universities and the overselling that is taking place by many post-secondary education institutions concerning what a university degree will mean to your life. The book is titled Dream Factories, and if you have a child about to enter university, or if you're in university, or a graduate of a university that perhaps, well, provided you with a degree that's... I don't know, essentially a useless piece of paper, gathering dust on a wall. You want to read Dream Factories. Professor Coates, it's good to talk to you again. Always good to be with you. Now, I'm sorry to take so much time rattling on with my point of view. But media ask idiotic questions. They should confront these students with questions like, do you have a career? Do you have a job? 
For those who proudly answer no and no, and I've heard that, the comeback from the media interviewer should be, you know, there are jobs available at the fast food store down the road where you could be earning a wage. Why don't you go and apply? Ken, what do you make of what's going on? What do you make of the, you know, the, at, at, uh, at Cornell University, they had a campus cry-in. Uh, Michigan University, uh, st- Michigan State provided he- healing spaces, including the aid of professional counselors, because Trump won. What's going on? Well, we're we're living in an age where we like to coddle young people. Um, we we think they're kind of delicate delicate creatures, and and can't sort of deal with life challenges. I think a lot of those things are quite silly, uh, to be honest. Um, there's no question that some people are traumatized by life events and they need to have counseling and support. Um, I think we do this kind of thing quite often um, in Canada when there's a a death of a student in the high school, when there's a fire or a disaster or whatever, we, we now do bring uh, counselors in fairly fairly quickly. I think a situation with the Trump one, though, has really exposed the, um, the sort of liberal nature of universities, uh, their high expectations that the Barack Obama administration would continue through in the Clinton years, and their, their absolute horror at the idea of Donald Trump being the, the president of the United States. Um, but I think the other side of this is, you know, let's have a proper debate about all these things. Let's let's respond to Donald Trump's ideas as he becomes president and takes them into action. Let's do all the things that are legitimate within the political process. But I think we can get carried away too quickly on on thinking this is going to be a terribly traumatic event for individuals. And it, 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 it was the conclusion of the democratic process that seemed to take forever. It's called the election. Well, exactly. And I think what happened there is, you know, um, whenever... Uh, the results traumatized a lot of Democrats who expected something very different. Uh, they were very upset that the usual things didn't work. Um, celebrity endorsements, the expenditure of huge amounts of money on advertising, an extremely well-organized ground game. If you look at what the Democrats did, they did all the things that politicians for the last 30 years have said will guarantee you the presidency. They did all those things, and they still lost. And I think one of the biggest challenges is that what Donald Trump has presented to all of us is we don't really know how public opinion is being formed. We don't know how people are making their decisions um, on these political processes. Um, and we do realize, I think increasingly, that a lot of people in the United States and in Canada do not have a terribly deep understanding of political processes. Um, so, you know, yes, uh, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote, um, but that's not how the decision was made. Everybody knew going in that the Electoral College would make the decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, how, that's simply how it goes. Um, so it's kind of, you know, it's not unusual. Losers like to sort of find explanations. They like to sort of blame the system. Mr. Trump made it quite clear he was going to do the same thing if he lost. And he kept talking about a rigged election. So to be honest, the American election did not sort of reflect well on anybody in the, in the larger process. Um, and I think Canadians have to sort of look down and think um, we had our, our last election was handled much better than this one. Well, yeah, it wasn't. And it certainly had its bumpy moments, but we get them over with fairly quickly. We don't allow sores to form and fester over a period of of two years. And by the time you get to the final day, you can't remember what the issue was when it all began. (laughs) Well, it is a a function of the sort of modern electoral process. And one of the challenges, go back to your questions before about the sort of young people. Um, One of the interesting things now is we're increasingly finding that young people are not terribly engaged with the news. Uh, everybody talks about how they read the news online rather than through buying regular newspapers. I, I suspect that's not as true as people like to think. What they do is they share around individual stories, and those stories are often sensational, often misleading, often one-sided. 
and we have a much broader question here, two much broader questions. One is how do we how do we form and create public opinion in a world of social media and sort of you know, you know the internet gone amok in one in one sense. And the second one, how do we engage young people in a political process that, quite frankly, is baffling to a lot of us? Um, and so we've, we've got a real challenge going forward. And I think, you know, getting young people involved in a knowledgeable and informed way in the political process is absolutely central. Uh, not because they're, when they're 60, I'm not a fan of people at the age of 16 being given the right to vote. I think 18 or 19 is fine. Um, but we do need to get them understanding what's actually going on. And one of the things that's interesting, you're talking about the fact that you know, people not not discussing the Trump election very much. You know, my hometown is Saskatoon. Um, in fact, young people were talking about it a lot, um, and particularly around the issues of sort of the way that uh, Trump was portrayed as a, his attitudes toward women and abortion and things like that. And, and what I found really fascinating is, in fact, the conversation was much more intense than about Canadian elections. Uh, that in fact they were more knowledgeable about the, the main issues in the United States than they were about the main issues in Canadian politics. So we have a real challenge if we're going to have a informed electorate who make good decisions and push our politicians in the right way. We better figure out how to talk to young people and how to use social media in a far more constructive manner. I agree, uh, but th- that having been said, and your book is called Dream Factories, and it places responsibility on the universities to not oversell what they're going to uh, deliver. What is the university's responsibility in a situation like this where you have almost, maybe I'm overstating, but you have a significant percentage of a generation in distress over the election of the next president of the United States? What's the university's responsibility leading up and then post-election? Well, it's interesting. Leading up to the election, universities have a huge obligation to provide a forum for debate and conversation. Uh, in fact, to explain the political process, we actually had at the University of Saskatchewan two different public forums to explain how the U.S. electoral system worked, um, basically to give young people and students and faculty a chance to sort of talk about it ahead of time. Universities across North America and around the world should be doing this. They should have those things ahead of time to prepare people to frame the questions and get a sense of what's going on. Universities also, and the research on this is overwhelming, are very liberal places, which the United States shows up as, as democratic. Um, and, and so they don't necessarily create a very one-sided environment. And when you add in the sort of a concern around political correctness, the self-censorship where people who have strong views that might be opposed to Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton basically keep their mouths shut, uh, don't talk up in public, or when people who do speak up get sort of criticized and shut down, um, we end up with a situation where the universities are not the forum for open debate they should be. And afterwards, the conversation should be about the fact that societies actually move forward in a fairly conservative way. We can have radical changes in political leadership that don't don't they don't destroy the foundations of a of a society and a government overnight. They in fact perhaps move the ship very so ever so small in so small ways in a, in a different direction. But they don't just uproot society. And we should be basically talking about the, the traditions. Donald Trump is president of the United States. He has a, a Congress and he has a, a Supreme Court. And, and he has a, a Senate that actually are going to make judgments and control him in different sorts of ways. He's going to try to influence them. Um, this is how societies work. And, in fact, you know, one of the things we should be talking about is, is what is actually going on? What's the unease about? Because I tell you this, I think in, in we, we saw what was going on in the United States with Donald Trump and sort of reaching out to the to the uh, you know, for working class white population for the most part, um, the working class people generally, uh, we're hearing signs of this in Canada as well. 
And what we need to do is instead of getting mad at people and labeling, I think Hillary Clinton made a massive error when she referred to some of Donald Trump's supporters as deplorable. Absolutely. It was a terrible, terrible slip in judgment. Um, we need to listen to what's going on in those people's lives and be far more sympathetic. When you see people in Port McMurray, hundreds of hundred thousand people in the oil patch losing their jobs, these are real life things. Yeah. And across the United States, the working class people are losing losing jobs. The young people come to universities think they're going to get great jobs with high incomes, and then don't get them. Yeah. So they're traumatized. Their parents are upset. Let's start talking openly about the world we're going into, because quite frankly, it isn't the 1980s or 1990s. It's where we should be planning for the 2020s. And they're not going to look at all like what they did 25 years ago. Yeah, no, it's so true. And the young people uh, in the university settings and adding into university see what's happening to their parents and hear the stories from their grandparents. There's a lot to be done. I mean, fair enough, be upset about Donald Trump if you wish. But I remember Barack Obama associated with a convicted terrorist whose terror organization was responsible for death, William Ayers, who became a a professor at the University of Chicago and a close friend of uh, the president and visited at the White House. I mean, there's always something going on, particularly in our neighbor to the south. Professor Coates, it's always great talking to you, and I thank you so much for the time today. Anytime you like. Take care.